My first rifle was a 243. Papa gave daddy and daddy gave to me. Welcome to another episode of All American Wing Shooting Podcast. And I have a dear friend that I don't remember not knowing. Chad Bloom, welcome. Hey, hey, I'm glad to be here. How are you? Oh, it's been way too long since I saw your face. That is for sure. You know, and you start thinking about like how time is flowing by, you know, like COVID and Mm -hmm. all this other kind of mumbo jumbo. And finally, here we are, though. I know my very first Upland experience at Pheasant Fest, I think it's where we met. So literally, I... Yeah, my entire Upland experiences, it's like you've always been there for every single one of them. And man, have you had quite a progression, you know, like from those beautiful shorties. Now you've got yourself a lab and I'm like, what is happening? We're talking about waterfall. I'm like, oh, you're crossing over. (laughs) Well, let's just say I'm expanding my knowledge. Yeah, that's that's a better way to say it. Yeah, so um, I, I mean, of course, I still have my short hairs and I don't ever see me not having at least one. Right. Yeah. So um, but there's a really special bond I have with my lab and all the things that we've got to do together. So I uh, I had some uh, did some hunting with the guy out of Kansas where he he had short hairs, but his lab walked with him at heel through the field and he was like discipline about it right that so when those short hairs went on point like then he would release that dog that that lab and boom the world just exploded that it was uh it was a cool experience well i think what's happened is people are starting to use the lab outside of the south like the south used the cocker right because you know there's just so much more to hunt that you have your versatile lab right yeah. But you still don't want to lose the pointer life. So, I mean, they're very capable of doing it all. But in the South, we just don't have as many options. So, yeah. No, I, you know, doing some quail hunting, I got to experience that blend of, of a pointer and a cocker. And man, those little pocket rockets just busting through the brush <laughs> at a million miles an hour is so cool. Yeah, they do. But I've hunted um, with Randy Lacks cocker on gun on uh, gun dog tv in the snow like knee high snow and those things are just as powerful in that kind of environment as they are down south oh i believe it they go 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 yeah fun to watch yeah so you have had as far as i know like a lifelong career somewhere in the upland world yeah well kind of you know um really i got here through volunteering with pheasants forever and quail forever and i just you know the thing that happened for me there this was a a really cool experience so when a chapter hosts a banquet they typically have like a wrap-up meeting where they you Mm -hmm. know they've got the the net net of their you know all their expenses are paid out they know what they have and then they just give that money away like hey we're going to spend this money on habitat we're going to spend this money on education outreach we're going to help the SWCD do this, you know, we're, I mean, we're, and I got to go, that was the very first meeting I went to. And I was like, you know, that's how you pay it back. You know, I, I don't have a bunch of treasure, but at that point in time, I had, I had time, 
Yeah. And I was like, oh my God. And so, you know, I volunteered with a great chapter in Stearns County, Minnesota. And then, you know, got hired on at PF and QF and then spent, you know, 10 years there. And I, I loved it, you know? So um, that's how I got to my career in the up. Well, I just had Steve Schaefer on and we talked all about how volunteering with PFQF leads to so much. Like you just don't even know where that path is going to take you because that's what happened with me. Yeah. You know, and both of my girls have been involved in everything. And so um, literally it's like a launching pad, not to mention all the biologists that they're bringing on board. Some have had not had a hunting experience and then they understand really what their job means to the American hunter. It is mission critical. You know, like those biologists are the folks that are out walking the fields, looking at the data, helping farmers navigate the complexities of those farm bill programs that work, you know, in harmony with production. You know, so there's yeah this nexus that unlike anything right now that I can remember in the past, like, this harmony between production and conservation and it's, you know, the precipitate, you know, the start of it is from climate, the climate change discussion, you know, but whether you're, you're, you buy into that or not, it's still creating healthy soils, which lead to better yields. I mean, carbon sequestration. Um, so those biologists are the folks that are on the front line, you know, helping navigate that. And, and the things that you like and I like, which is, more places to hunt, more birds to see. It's what they're working on. You know, I love that. Yeah, I do too. I do too. And, and I've just grown to have such a respect for them and um, want to reach out to them. I want to offer opportunities to show them our side of the life that they're helping us build. You know, it's my favorite thing. Yeah. If I couldn't hunt birds anymore, I'm like, what's the point? You're absolutely right. And I don't like fishing that much. <laughs> well, <laughs> are you still in Minnesota? Yeah. So we live out in uh, Western, uh, West Central Minnesota on the shores of Nest Lake. Oh, well, all I can remember is when it was like 100 below and, oh. and you guys had that nasty winter just like two winters ago or something. I just remember your post like you would run outside for five seconds just to take a picture to run back in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, I mean, that was just like sort of challenging yourself. Like, what can I endure here? <laughs> you know, this sucks. Yeah. With all of um, the conveniences of our technology, right? You still, I mean, you still have to be so careful. Yeah. It's unreal. You know, um, it, we've had, so this summer has been hot again, you know, 90s, good stretch of 90s up here with humidity. And yesterday it broke, you know, so like, Yesterday morning was 59 degrees here, and I took my, we have this awesome resource called the Prairie Woods Environmental Learning Center, which is a great place to take your dogs and go for a hike, and I did that at like 1.30 p.m. You know, in July, so it was cool to get out and this morning, too, before work, you know, um, 59 degrees, gosh, it feels good, it's getting hot again next week up in the 90s, but it's certainly sort of cast your vision to fall. You start thinking about autumn days, you know, when you got to. Oh, I know. And this may be the first time that I don't get up there to the grouse woods. Just with the way that the schedule's laying and it is crushing me. Like it is so special. 
It is just so special. Around. Really? I like I would be devastated without being able to get to the girl schools. Oh, oh yeah. I know. I know. And then the trip that everybody takes, like the um for the the whole PFQF crowd, you know, our mutual yeah. friends, and they go, and I'm like, oh, I just never can get that far north. So I always feel left out. <laughs> it's uh those guys are, you know. I was talking to, you know, Wissink the other day and he's like, you know, it's like family and you just mm-hmm. kind of love that. And, uh, you know, I see Schaefer, like you were talking about, you know, a couple times a year and man, do I look forward to those minutes, you know, those days and those times. So, okay. So you still got two, uh, wire hairs. I do. Yep. They are, uh, it has been rough this summer, but being on the lake, we're lucky because I've been throwing bumpers like crazy. You know, yeah. and just watching those those babes, you know, launch off the dock, get after those rubber bumpers has been a lifesaver, you know. So, but like finally to get out and just get them in some grass, you know, let them stretch their legs at speed was, uh, was good, you know. Yeah, everybody, no matter where you are in the States this summer, is just hot. It's it just is. so hot. And I, I just think like, whew, I need a break. Well, I'm I'm with you. We we're out west, and so I'm trying to train up mine to condition them for the Chucker Mountains. Right. Well, that's going to be a whole nother ballgame because we just went for a hike the other day, and Dolly looked at me. I'm like, "Don't you even make me have to carry you back down (laughs) to the truck?" You know. But they're like, "Where in the world are we?" And you think that it would be better out here. I mean, it's better for me, but I don't know that it's really better for the dogs. I don't know. This is a whole new learning curve. Well, they're flatlanders. You know, I mean, you get out there to elevation, right? What's the saying? You hunt chucker once because you want to, and every other time is to get even. that's what they say right that's got to be true brutal it is so brutal and um i'm gonna have to regroup on my gear because it it is a whole new a whole new world like mountain chuckers a whole new world but i've wanted to do this for so long and as the furthest west that i've got to go is when we were at um sharp tail shootout and we went to that event yeah. In Nebraska, in the Sand Hills. And you remember, remember how hot it was then? It was it was September, but it was still 90 degrees. You know, I think the only thing that saved our bacon out there was that, the, you know, it's a it's short grass prairie, you know, so the wind can get through and, mm-hmm. and, you know, move some heat off the dogs and certainly move it off of you. But yeah, I mean, there was no way you were hunting in the afternoon. It was just done over with, you know. No. I and remember. then it's like. The sand hills, it's like you're walking on the beach, too. Oh, my God. I got the worst blisters there that I've ever had in my life. And I've got a, a beast of one right now from here, but just the rocks and stuff. But, yeah, I'm telling you, that trip scarred me. I was like, I'm so glad I've been to the sand hills, but I don't know if I ever want to go back. Man, it is. Uh, it tests you, you know. And then you get into those, you know, for your dogs, you get into those you know those uh cactus yeah everything is there to bite you or sting you or blister you (laughs) there is a couple of different times you know we got in the middle of some of those patches you know where the cactus are like round balls with those long spikes on them and i just had to pick the dog up and walk her out of there you know yeah yeah i'll tell you 
the best lesson in, in bird hunting, man, is to, is to spend money on boots, you know, buy decent boots to save your feet, you know, break them in, get measured, get the right width. You know, I mean, like, and I'm too poor to buy it more than once, you know? Yeah. Like, um, the Russell's is it, is it Russell's down South? It's making all the custom boots. Yeah. I have not had a pair of those, but people swear by them. Yeah. Yeah. I know I've gone with like, uh, Mendel. I've had really good luck with those. Um, and then, uh, crispy. So hmm. I, I, to me, that's like, you know, just like dogs, if your feet get broke down, you're in trouble. Oh my God. There's nothing worse. Yep. That was, that was it in, in the St. Hills. But every bird hunter needs to go there once, especially like that event is, it, they did such a great job there. Um, it was a, a heck of a time and it's the only tournament hunting event that I've been to like that, that actually incorporated trap shooting. Yeah. And you know, by the way, help raise money for an awesome little community. I mean, oh, I yeah. thought the coolest thing was like, Hey, we bought new fridges for the school, you know, cafeteria. So our, you know, the kids can have better lunch. I'm like, all right, I'm behind this, you know? Well, there was so much that I didn't hear about that because I was kind of new on the scene at that time. So, um, like I didn't really understand what was going on, but I do remember talking about that community, how families were staying with other families to free up their house so that us hunters could come in and have a place to stay. Oh, that is no joke. We stayed in somebody's house, you know, and they like, they're like, Hey, there's soda in the fridge, chips in the cupboard, you know, help yourself kind of thing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we were there and, and like they have a fenced in backyard and there's like, a dozen dogs take over their backyard, you know? And I'm sure they're like, oh my God, what did we get ourselves into? But, you know, talk about a wel welcoming, awesome opportunity, the Sandhill Sharp Sharptail Shootout. You know, and there's a reason that that tournament is full year over year, you know? Unbelievable food, the hosting, you know, the I, I think the Calcutta, where you're betting on teams, you know, people are buying teams. I mean, you know, and then you look at like guide of the year, property of the year kind of thing. I mean, it's considering where you are, like in the middle of nowhere. Right. Like, and the scenery, the, you know, the rolling hills and the sand hills. Uh, it just is. It, yeah, you got to go. You just got to go and check it out. Mm -hmm. You know, yep. it, it should be a destination, you know, if you're a wing shooter on your list, I Oh yeah, like drive out of your way to put that on on your route this season. I agree. Sure. Yep. And there's tons of public land in that area too, because we we hunted public land while we were out there. We stayed extra days. Yeah, yeah. Well, and if you're out there, this is your thing. Did you did you guys go tanking? Did you ever try that? Did you do you know what I'm talking about? No. Oh no, the rafting like tubing. Yeah, yeah, but they put it in a, like a uh, cattle trough, you know, no. like cattle trough. They got like two by sixes kind of bolted around it. They give you a piece of driftwood and you start floating down these rivers. That, like On driftwood? No, on the, in the tubs, but they're using a drift, uh, like a piece of driftwood as a push pole. But I mean, I swear to you, you will never see a cleaner body of water. You know, like you're just, it, they're gin clear warm water and then you just float and then you know sandbar 
pull up. You maybe have your favorite beverage there. I mean, it, it's a good day. It's a real good day. In a in a cattle trough, like a water, like a big old water trough. Big old water, like six feet across, seven feet across, whatever. No way. Yeah. So if you go if you go to the sand hills, you know, and you hit it early September, this would be my best day for you. Is like, you know. Get, get your boot leather going in the morning and chase those Sharpies and chickens around and then find a way to go tanking in the afternoon. I do remember them talking about it and we didn't make it out there. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a, that's a solid day. Solid day. Okay, well, we're going to have to post about that so people know what we're talking about. Yeah. Okay, don't let me forget to post about tanking because that is, I've, I've never heard anybody doing that before. No, I mean, I mean, talk, that, that's the story you come back and tell your friends, right? Like, yeah, we, you know, my dog, first of all, my dog pointed like 25 box turtles. So my heart rate got up about a thousand <laughs> times, you know, between chickens and sharp tails and box turtles. And then I chilled out by tanking in the afternoon. It was, it was the best. Yeah, that will, that will make a great story. Okay, well, maybe I need to go one more time. I would say. Seems like. Are you going back? Have you been back there? I uh, not to the Sharptail Shootout. I've been back to the. Um, I've been back to the Sand Hills, but not not to the shootout. I think the last year I did it was the year you were there. Hmm. Well, we're gonna have to figure this out. You know, it's just crazy how busy it gets, right? Like, all of a sudden the season is on, and I've been to you know South Dakota, North Dakota, chasing Sharptails and. And Huns, you know, I, I just love that. And you know, for me, I think I think sharptail is my favorite thing to eat. You know, um, people look at me like I'm nuts, but if you do it right, you know, like a good mallard, you know, duck breast. It, oh yeah, it's amazing. It's like a great piece of steak. You know, I mean, I'm I'm all in. And then all of a sudden, you get to the grouse woods. And by the way, you know, if you're a bow hunter, you're trying to you know arrow a deer here and there, and then pheasant season comes on and yeah, the next thing you know, then it's January. Just crazy how fast. It uh, yeah. And then it's just over. Those like January days. And, and I like to hunt predators. I like to chase coyotes, but it's not the same as following your dog around and, you know, putting up a bird. <laughs> No, I just, I love it. I absolutely. And me too. And that's the whole thing is everybody's like, are you going to go deer hunting, blah, blah, blah. I said, I can't sit in a deer stand knowing that I'm limited time with my dog. You know, you only get them for so long and you don't even know how long that is. So I just, I can't take anything away from them. Yeah, I got a 12 year old, you know, Lily is 12 now. And man, do I have puppy fever? Bad, 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 bad. You know, I've had to fight it off, you know, and. <laughs> so and I, I don't know, know. Three, uh, three dogs at home is a lot you know but how long you think it'll be before you give in next year and i don't you know right now end up july i don't necessarily want a puppy right now you know i mean pretty soon i start running out of time where you do that really good yard training you know it gets into hunting season and then kind of over it you know yeah i like what i don't mind a puppy like um lily was born in november so picked her up in january man i had plenty of time you know we did a lot of just that basic obedience in the house and then you know by the time spring rolled we did you know tracking and different stuff and so 
you know, at seven or yeah, seven months when bird season went around, I was, she was good to go. Yeah, that is perfect. But I'm still a hardcore believer in sending them to a trainer. I just, if I'm not training every day, I just don't, I don't want the inconsistency and the holes and then hunting season roll around. And then me hate myself because I know every single screw up was my fault. And and that's the truth, right? I mean, you can only look in the mirror that yeah, any shortcoming that dog has by and large is, is on you, you know? Yep. Yep. For sure. And when I was training every day, oh my God, like, Oh, I didn't realize you just, you do it and then you get used to it. But man, those were, those were some hard times. <laughs> oh, talk about exercise and patience, right? Like, yeah. And just being able to say, all right, we're not clicking right now. We're not getting it. I'm going to just throw the ball, have some fun, you know, do a little recall stuff that, that she doesn't even know I'm doing. And we'll come back later. kind of. Yep. Over and over and over again. But those were really rewarding. Like the three dogs I have right now, two of them, um, I did all the training, which was tater bugs, short hair, Dolly, and then my lab, my first lab, but she's only had up on training. And so I start like, she's got her whistle set and stuff, but I don't know if I can put hand signals on her. I'm going to try. But when you get into that, like if they don't get it, then there's definitely going to be holes in the system. Right. And I don't want that. I just had, I hadn't had enough experience in that retriever world, but it, it sucked me in because when I was tournament hunting and I was running other client dogs, um, with a kennel that, and so all these dogs had gone through senior or master levels and they just wanted to add a different title on them. Um, a lot of the times that I took trophies were because these dogs had gone through those programs. So yeah. And then just to get into um, the pheasant field, I'll never forget one time driving out and then you just saw a rooster run across the road. So we hopped out and there was a pond there with all the cattails around it. They just started flying up. So three shots, boom, boom, boom. I mean, I was done within 20 minutes of the first day. I mean, that may never happen again, right? But they were in the water. And so to do all the blind retrieves and yeah. get around the cattails and swim around and all stuff like it, the retrieving part made that morning. Yeah. So right now, Littles don't have those, she don't have those tools. Yeah. And when you have a dog and you've gone through it, you, you don't want to be without them because it just makes it a million times more fun. I can recall like, um, this is a crazy story. Like I, I was training with a guy when I first started at PF and QF, I was training with a guy that had the same position as me in North Dakota. And we stopped to meet some people that own property on the heart river, um, kind of South central North Dakota. And we got to hunt with them that afternoon. And, uh, we, the guy winged a bird and I had Lily, she was just up, like I said, eight months, maybe at that point in time. And it was a sailor. It, it just glided, you know, and, and uh, she went after it, you know, across this alfalfa field that pitched down into some high grass on a, on a side hill. And he was pissed, you know, he was mad at me, like, get your dog back here. We'll go hunt that bird up again. And I was like, well, give her a second because, you know, she saw that thing the whole way. We watched that thing the whole way. So I'm like, she's got it marked down, you know, and sure as, I'll get out like five minutes later, this dog comes back, you know, with this big puffy rooster in her mouth, you know, bringing it back, you know, 
300 yards or some godforsaken distance and this guy's like oh, i'll give you two grand for your dog he was upset he's like but i was like that's kind of about knowing your dog and knowing the situation oh, yeah. and knowing you know capability I, I think the more you would let it, that dog that bird lie might be harder to find it It'll run or bury itself bury itself right exactly especially if it was wounded okay so that grief is everything right i mean like you're talking about that's why I loved the tournament world is that relationship that you have with your dog. When you got to know your dog, you got to make those, I mean, split second decisions. And the first nationals I went to running UFTA mercy, my first short hair, she is way more dog than I should have ever had for my first dog. And we were a complete and utter train wreck. But I remember when we got there and we were um, running the ladies division it had flooded. I mean, we were in Illinois and we had every kind of weather that week. We had snow, flooding, a heat wave, um, a tornado came through. I mean, you name it, it all happened in one week and we were all there with our dogs. One night we were, we all the guys that had, at that time, I just had two dogs, I think. But the guys were having to pick their favorite dogs and we were having to bring them in the basement of where we were staying. And so it was so hard to see these grown men like tears, like my dogs are going to get blown away and there's nothing we can do about it. You know, like we just made those last second decisions. And um, yeah, that was that was my first nationals. But that next morning we were in the field. They had to restructure all the fields because of the flooding. And we went out there and my nerves were just wrecked. I'm like, oh my God, probably shouldn't even be here. So I winged my first, my gate bird and it flew off into the trees and the dog can go out of bounds, but I can't go out of bounds. So Mercy heads out, just like you say, she's gone, you know? And the judge is like, are you going to take a partial? And I'm like, nope. I said, he's like, I can't see your dog anymore. I said, nope, she's busy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she's, she come barreling around that corner because they'll leave the, the ground pretty high. And she had a bird in her mouth. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. You can trust your dog, you know? Yeah. It's like, but it, it made, it made a time. I'll never forget telling him. He's like, I can't see your dog. She's busy. She's got to go find, find mama a bird, <laughs> save her butt. <laughs> You know, so many times, like, I'm not really prone to hunting in big groups. It makes me nervous, right? Like, and I've done it plenty, you know, I, but you don't know everybody. You know, you don't know kind of what their level is. You know, are they going to, especially when you have a dog out there, right? But how many times have we dumped out of the truck, started walking a field, like, let's head back this way. And then the dog is casting over there and you're like, no, come on, come on. And then you're like, what am I doing? <laughs> the nose knows. That's our saying, right? The nose yeah. knows. And uh, trust your dog. Yeah. Trust your dog. Just get out there, put your boot leather in, head him into the wind, and go. I know. I know. God, you got me itching. I'm going to go outside and it's going to be 102 degrees, and they're going to look at me like, what the heck you got me doing out here, mom? We were on our walk this morning. It was pretty windy going with the wind. And Paige is my younger dog. She hooks up, you know, just cuts a hard left on this edge of this cover. And I was like, there's gophers everywhere, you know, turtles. I'm like, what do you got? And this young rooster, you know, it's got its colors, but it popped out. It was all wet. You know, it was a lot of dew. And my God, I, you know, 
if I had a gun, I wouldn't know where to throw it, throw the gun and run or shoot that thing. It scared, <laughs> the, scared the life out of me this morning. But I was like, yeah, you know, I mean, I love that feeling, right? That is love that adrenaline shot and go get that bird. I know. And instead of it getting old, even though it's repetition, it literally just builds excitement. Oh, my God. I, and that's, you know, you got to tape, pull yourself back. You're like, yeah, OK, it's July 25th, man. You mean you'll be in, you know, North Dakota in, in September, which is, you know, that is right around the corner. But, oh, I, I mean, the other day I just got my guns out to clean them just because I was like, I haven't put my hands <laughs> on my shotguns in a while. Well, I'm about to put a thrower in the yard and I'm going to shoot. I was shooting, you know, all the time, multiple times a week. And then that slowed down. So this has been the longest since I started shooting a shotgun that I haven't pulled a trigger and it's killing me. Where I live, we don't have, there's not a gun range. I mean, there's a rifle pistol range, but no shotgun, you know, um, no sporting plays. Like it's hour and some change away. Mm-hmm. Our friend John Zinnel, he called me the other day and said, "Hey, do you want to meet me up at at the Sporting Clay's place and shoot around?" I was like, "I can't, I just can't." But oh my god, and he's a freaking class act with a shotgun. Like, how the heck he has these skills? We just shot with him in D.C. Um, it would have been May. Man, summer's flown by. Maybe it was June. It was maybe it was the end of May or early June. We were in shooting for the CSF. Well, we shot S- for the SCI group and he was there. And I'm like, oh, we shot trap, um, skeet, which I'd never even been on a skeet field before. And I'm like, how in the world is a wing shooter not been on a skeet field? This is the perfect training. I think so, too. Yeah. And then we shot sporting clays and he's just dropping birds left and right. And I'm like, it's just not fair. The skills that guy's got. No, he's I mean, he's a good buddy of mine. and I. All seriousness, he's a heck of a shot, but I'll because I admitted that I'll never hear the end of it, you know. <laughs> so maybe you can edit that part out. I don't know. I'm oh my feeling, god. I'm not feeling great about building him up, but he is an awesome, <laughs> awesome shot. And I've shot with him a bunch of times or a few times anyways, and obviously been uh, hunting with him some. So Yeah, well, he was with us at Sharp Tail Shootout too. Yeah, he's yeah, that's I forgot about that. Yeah, he was. I forgot about that, too. Well, where are we all going to go next? I think we need to have a reunion, a PFQF reunion. Yeah, well, you know, I should, I changed jobs, right? Yeah, so you're with Rough Grouse Society yeah, yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've never done any events with them, even though all of our friends overlap. Yeah. You know, like we know people there, but I've, I mean, it's just, it's never been, there's not been a chapter where I've been at home base. <laughs> Well, it's kind of geography too. You know, you were at Georgia before the, yeah. you know, there's, I think there's good, good reach in the Carolinas um, and then up the East coast, but I don't know that it stretches down across Georgia. No, no. So tell us about Rough Grass Society, because that's one thing that I'm not educated on. So it's a member-based organization. So members are everything for us. Right. And the, um, you know, you think about the motto, a healthy forest and abundant wild. And, um, I mean, right now you see like that huge fire out by Yosemite is going up. Mm-hmm. And so, you, you know, forest management is the key and you need forest management. You know, you need diverse forests that provide great habitat, you know, for wildlife. That's a healthy forest scenario. 
And those are the things as, you know, as, as bird hunters that we like is that diverse habitat so we can find those grouse and woodcock. But the mission is awesome. You know, it's, it's boots on the ground. It's actually making, you know, timber management and timber harvest happen. You know, so like we've got a, we're doing a Minnesota update tonight, you know, and like last year, nearly 50 miles of walking trail improvement, you know, that 517 acres of woodland improvement on these trails. And so that means you're walking by different cover that gets you, you know, woodcock and grouse and things like that. So this mission is happening on the ground. Um, we're a growing organization right now, which is just an awesome place to be. You know, um, I think grouse hunting is kind of this, is seeing this resurgence based on kind of the adventure of it, right? Like you go to grouse camp, you know, and you're in a wall tent or you're in a pup tent or whatever, right? But you're... Or a shack. Yeah, I love, I love those shacks. Yeah. <clears throat> or a camper or in the back of your pickup truck, right? Like mm -hmm. this truck topper, this, you know, this uh, topper camping type thing is like, groundswell and so there's so much adventure in it. and then you're in this big woods and you're you've got this you could be with people but you still got this isolated experience i mean so i think there's a serious resurgency going on from from that perspective i just i love it okay so i want i want to be educated more about what they do because grouse woods have been so special to me yeah and it and it's like what you're talking about. That sense of adventure is something that I've never gotten anywhere else. The only time I've ever gotten lost hunting was in the grouse woods. You get turned around and everything looks the same. So me and this guy from, from Texas, um, another dog trainer, he and I are like, we've done this a million times. And we're with a group. We're all in the line. You, you should be able to look through those trees and see somebody in orange. All of a sudden... We're the only ones out there. I'm like, how in the heck did we take a wrong turn when we were in the middle of the line? And oh my so, God. I don't know how many times, you know, like I've been a little panicky and like, yeah. Okay. 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 The road is, you know, yeah, this, somebody, I read a great tip, right? Like people get lost in the woods and it's like, they don't trust their compass. Right. So carry two. So you can be like, oh yeah, they both, <laughs> say, they both say North. So they're not yeah. both wrong, you know, but I, I mean, I, I'm super, and I know those veterans, you know, I'm nowhere near like the, the folks that we know are, oh, you know, yeah. I think you could drop them in the middle of the woods and they'd, they'd, you know, get out just fine. But, um, I always, you know, like, okay, here's my road. It's an East West road. I know I can go, you know, North as far as I want. And then, but, but here's the problem with that. You can't plan for the water. Right. So if you haven't grouse hunted before, um, you got to do this. Just ride those dirt roads, see some trees that look like grouse habitat and hop out and just hope for the best. But there's swamps in there and you don't know where they're going to pop up. And so then you totally get off track trying to get around a swamp because you could end up chest high in water. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, <laughs> We've done it. And poor Taterbug, she loved the grouse woods with me. And I tell you, she's made like two or three passes one time, you know, like back to back to back. And I'm like, how do those little legs do it? You got to climb over all the trees. You got to keep things out of your face. You're throwing up guns with limbs in your face. And it's just, it is so much fun and roughing it. So when I started, you know, like the, the thing that meant the most to me learning 
and having all these experiences was I just felt like wing shooting was like the heart of the hunter, like the heart of the American hunter, right? There's, there's just so many special elements that we talk about with the dog and the camaraderie and things that you can't get sitting in a deer stand. And I understand like, that's what I was raised doing. My family always did that, but you can't really celebrate until you get back to camp, you know, in those hours and everything. It's just, it's not as much of a team sport or team experience as what we do. And so when I got lost in the grouse woods and you've got those, hole in the wall bars that you go to afterwards. And then all these strangers have the same stories. And then you end up with like 20 new friends every single day that you're in the woods. Like I was like, this, this is where like the heart of the American hunter is. It's on these back roads. It's just so special. You know, and here's the, the other thing I love about it is so much of it is done on public land. Yeah, true. I'm a public land hunter. Right. I, I love the challenge of it. I love the fact that this is this resource available to us, you know, um, and I just I just love that. Right. And so you're in these areas and, and it, it's different. Right. If you're pheasant hunting, you can look to your left or your right. You see your buddy, you know, you're going to, you know, it doesn't matter how far apart you are. You're going to see an orange blob walk. Right. Mm-hmm. You're going to see a, a, you know, a silo or a farm in the distance. You know, you're going to get to a a fence line or a change of habit, right? Well, not in the grouse woods. No, it's like it never ends. We went last year, um, and our friend Schaefer, you know, he was leading the charge. And we, you know, it's like six miles across this section. He's from Florida. I don't think he should be leading the charge in the grouse woods. Well, you know, Rich was there too, and he didn't correct me. But we took a a wrong turn. (laughs) We were on an eight, I mean, we were on an eight mile or six mile walk that turned into like nine miles in an afternoon. I was like, you're going to have to leave me for dead. No, I'm not going to get out of here. But, but he took us on a wrong turn. But I, I'm like, can you imagine just walking six miles through that kind of cover and, you know, never seeing another soul and just the things you see on the, on the track, right? Like wolf tracks and, you know, porcupines and i don't know it's there's nothing like it It just is uh it's just first of all the challenge like you talked about like putting a gun up on a grouse you know is a wish and a hope and a prayer almost you know yeah and uh and there's nothing comfortable about it you're never you never have a comfortable shot you know no and you're and they the stu- you hear them like they they sound like a helicopter taking off yeah. and, and then all of a sudden they disappear behind a pine tree and you're like that's the only dang pine tree in an acre <laughs> and they found it <laughs> i just you know i love the challenge of it you know both from the wing shooting perspective and the physicality of it, you know like navigating through those those cuts and and uh you know the finding pockets and you know dropping a pin on your onyx and being like well i'm gonna hit i gotta yep i gotta come back here and you're you're halfway through it and you're like man why do i want to be so miserable like this ain't even fun you know it takes forever to see a bird like you said and then as soon as it's over and you're back to the truck and you get to the bar and everybody's talking about their good luck man it makes you thinking okay my day is tomorrow like i got to get back out there it's gonna happen tomorrow and you know i put bells on the dogs 
you know, and that sound going through the woods, ding, 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 you know, and then all of a sudden there's no, like, hey, there's no noise. Like, <laughs> and then the, then the, like the hunt within the hunt is on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm going to circle around this dog and come in from the nose and, you know, where is it looking for the dog, you know, before you're even, I love it. Well, me too. And talking about the shack, the first time that I experienced a shack in the grouse woods, I was like, this is freaking paradise. It's just paradise. So it was like rough um, plywood walls and they had the little heat heater stove inside. And um, it was like, it was like being a little kid again back at camp. We had the dartboard and the plywood bunk beds and the outhouse, like literally a legit outhouse. And you're like, how in the world do you think this is so fun? I'm like, I never want to leave this place. It's such an experience to like, it's almost like time. It's like time traveling to your roots, right? Yeah. 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 Rediscovering the fact that you can be ruggedized in a way, Mm -hmm. you know, that we like our, our niceties and we like our comforts and our technology, but, I can also stand up in this sort of rough environment, you know? Oh my God. And food is so much better out there. Yes. It's like everything you do is just better at, at hunt camp and grouse camp is always going to be a super special place in my heart, which, um, you have had a crazy career, which we didn't even talk about all the things that you've been involved with and, and the changes and just, the things that us hunters, and I preach about this all the time, you got to get involved because the best part of hunting happens with these organizations. It's not what happens in the field. And and if you only hunt, then you're missing, you're missing some of the best parts. So thank you for everything that you've done behind the scenes. But what I wanted to showcase and what I love that you've done, you've shown your heart of why you do what you do. And it's all about the hunting. It's all about keeping this tradition alive. And that's exactly why I wanted to um, start this podcast, because if it hadn't been for guys like you to take me under your wing, teach me a little bit. And then, of course, I just got passed on to the next place or to the next event or whatever. Like, I don't I don't know how I would have spent my life. Like, I, I feel like I totally would have missed out. I, You know, that I mean, that's a, my my mom or dad. They didn't hunt. We fished. We grew up on a lake. We fished together. And that was fun. But my dad was not a hunter. My mom, you know, her brothers weren't really hunters. So it took people, you know, friends of, of mine, their dads, their moms and dads, you know, to take me hunting, right? Like give up their time, give up knowledge, take, have patience. And I will forever be grateful mm-hmm. for that opportunity that those people invested in. There, yeah. there will never be anything I can do that can pay it back because of the lifetime of experiences and joy and happiness and the places I've got to tread and the sunsets oh, yeah. I've got to see and the sunrise. I mean, there's no amount, there's no amount of ability for me to pay it back. So part of that is like my motivation every day. And it's real, you know, like if I don't get up and, kind of work my tail off today for this something might escape you know mm-hmm. and i don't know i mean that's kind of cheesy i guarantee i mean i know it's probably smart no it's not right it's exactly now, but- why i started this podcast was because i felt the same way and i knew that the guys i was traveling with 
that was their heart. And I'm like, somebody's got to tell this story. There's so much out there about techniques and how to's and all this stuff, but without the heart, none of those things matter. And, you know, there's no, uh, you know, Howard Vincent said this, there's no ends of, right. There's no finish line to the work that you do to keep this tradition alive, right. The work that John Zinnel and federal does, or, you know, um, pheasants forever rough grouse or delta or rocky mountain all of them right it it is this if you look at it from organizational sizes is this small cohort of people that are have dedicated their life for the betterment Mm -hmm. of our of our outdoors you know you're right and you know if you're a pret i I read this quote and and i'm probably going to butcher it a little bit but like if you're a predator you have to husband your prey like you have to, you have to help your prey. And and so we do that, right? I mean, people are like, oh, we work so hard. How can you, you know, kill this animal? And I'm like, it's the cycle of life, you know? And I know like when I take that grouse or that rooster, or that deer, it's going to feed me, you know, my, it's going to feed my body and my soul kind of thing. And so, um, yeah, you're dang right. I'll work my tail off daily to to make that happen, you know? Yeah. And I think, you. I mean, you get this, right? People don't, don't understand even all the time, you know, like you just hunt for a living, you know, how many times have you heard that? Oh, like for me, are you, yeah, is yeah. that a personal question? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. People think that I only play or that because I'm a female, this is handed to me. The reality of the outdoor world is that if you do things the right way, especially as a female, it's hard as heck. And, and no people have no idea that I've done all this by myself. Every time I've seen y'all, I've shown up with my own gear, my own truck, all by myself, drove two days to meet up with y'all, whatever it took. I did it all by myself. And, and it was because you guys kept encouraging me. I never got treated like I couldn't do it. And you celebrated like my little successes along the way. So it just fueled me to do more and more and more. And, and I'm definitely not a feminist, by any means, but it was something that was so rewarding to my soul. It was addictive. That I think that, I mean, that doesn't matter, male or female, you know, whatever that mm-hmm. sort of um, self-reliance that experience, you know, like you did it right. And, and, and yeah. I don't care what that's in, but it's like, it's on you. And, but the thing about being in the outdoors, you got to be more like, come on versus, you know, not my place, you know, not going to get into my backyard. kind of thing. You- oh yeah. But you guys were like that. Like, I just felt like I was able to join like the bro crowd and it was so much fun, priceless times for me. And I, I think, you know, for exactly what you said too, like, I'm going to roll up my sleeves. I've got my stuff, you, you know, that's, I don't care whoever you are, that's immediate sort of credibility, right? Like, I don't know what I don't know, but I'm going to show up and I'm going to, I'm going to grind it up, you know? Yeah, for sure. And that's what I've always said. I'm like, there's nothing special about the things that I've done or accomplished. I just never said no. If you guys said, Hey, which is exactly what happened on how I got to go to sharp tail shootout. Um, there was the guys that I'd met from, from Georgia that were on our team. They literally were coming by and they said, we need one more person on our team. And you were recommended us. Will you join us? And I said, heck yeah, I will. So we went to Sharp Tail Shootout in um, late September. 
Well, September 1st, I ended up with a girlfriend of mine at her dad's farm. We started a traditional um, a dove hunt with her dad if he didn't show up there. So we had already hunted together. We randomly met at Pheasant Fest like somewhere way out in the Midwest. Yeah. And then we ended up in a hunt in Georgia together, randomly not even knowing each other was going to be there, but we had already planned to go to Nebraska at the end of the month. And so it was just, it was so cool how this world gets so small and you're able to build like legit relationships with people like investments. And you know, the technology, you know, group text, the funny you know, meme about grouse hunting or, you know, whatever. And, and, you know, you just transported back to those, those experiences and those memories, but you stay in touch too. You know, I mean, I just love that. I just, uh, there's nothing like those relationships. No. And I think that they should be celebrated. So like my whole purpose with this podcast was just to, I guess, to set a fire within all of us upland hunters to, celebrate that protect that and motivate us to get more involved because you could sit here and spit out facts for two hours you know but if if we don't if we don't keep the heart of the the tradition alive then people aren't going to commit to it you're totally right and the thing the other thing i'll say is how many people have you met that have said to you if you ever want to get out give me a call if you ever want to come here give me a call if you ever want to go doesn't on and go you know i'm honestly this is, this is not a rhetorical question how many people i mean it happens all the time right if you if yeah. you ever want to do this give me a call yeah and i know i know when i say it i am 100 genuine and authentic about it, right like i'm not going to spend a lot of time trying to track you down but i'm when i tell you like if you want to get out give me a call i will gladly share my dog my truck you know, if you don't have a gun, if you don't have gear, I, I will gladly share that with you for the, because it might, who knows what bridge you're building, right? Yeah. And so I think that that's a really unique thing that people are like, well, give me a call if you ever want to get out. I hear this all the time, you know, and I wish people would take people, you know, the I wish the people that that's extended to would take the would take the initiative and call people that are offering it. Because I think if you call me and said, Hey, I got Wednesday night free. Can you go for a, a hunt for the last hour? I'd be like, absolutely. I'll, I'll meet you at Casey's and we'll. Oh my gosh. Yes. Casey's there's no Casey's out here. I'm, and Taterbug was saying, when are we going to find some Casey's pizza mom? And I'm like, <laughs> soon as hunting season starts, kid, we're straight we're going to beeline it for Casey's that, I mean, that's the perfect place and you're right. So when people get that offer, they don't need to feel like they're imposing or have the fear of rejection or, you know, or, you know, just the embarrassment of not having those, their own personal contacts, because something's going to happen. You're going to repay that favor. You're going to build a relationship that you have no idea where it could take you. So you just got to say, you know what? Like, I'm going to do it out of a mission to continue the legacy of wing shooting. And I'm just going to go. That's exactly right. And if I can't go Wednesday, like, well, Hey, how about Thursday? Or can you go Saturday? I mean, it's never going to be just no, you know? Right. It's like, ah, I can't, I'm sorry, but maybe this. So that's it. I mean, that's continuing to build that community. It's continuing to, you know, just give somebody else the chance to see and experience the things that we have, which is, 
pure magic, right? I mean, yep. And all I've ever done is follow up on those invitations. And I can't tell you how many times I showed up with strangers. Yeah. I, I think about that now and I'm like, everybody's such a close friend to me Yeah. now. But when I showed up there, they were all strangers. <laughs> I'm like, how many times? And one time I went to this place in Alabama and I was supposed to have been the only person at the lodge. Well, I show up at like 11 o'clock at night aired out the dogs and all the stuff. And then all of a sudden, like people start walking out on the porch. I'm like, holy smokes, I'm in the middle of like 2000 acres by myself. You know, who are these men? And social media is such a special thing. They're like, oh my God, we can't believe you're here. And it's because I've been friends with one of their friends and they found me on social media. Then they started following my crazy journey of, cause I was very, um, open in the beginning of like, I don't know, Jack Diddley, but this is what just happened. And it's the coolest thing. And you got to do it too. Yeah. And I loved being able to tell the stories and I'm still learning. And like, you're calling me out about, um, about duck hunting now. Yeah. Oh my God. Like I never really cared about calling and all that stuff because I was such a hardcore competitor with the tournament stuff. That was really a bucket list thing for me to do. Yeah. And then once I achieved everything that I'd put on my list, I was like, what's that next challenge? So sitting there and watching Chad call these ducks and like watching them respond to him and move around, it is like, sometimes I even forget to pick up my gun. I'm like, holy smokes, I'm supposed to be hunting. But watch this relationship with this wildlife and have them come in and move in and just so many of them. So when being from Georgia, we don't see this many birds in the sky, right? Like we we never see ducks. So we were, um, we were just driving home from the lake this weekend and I told him, I was like, I don't really know. This is such a random thought, but I was driving through the Midwest, not even have any idea where I was going, but this was way back in, in the early days. I say that I've been doing this, what, seven years now. <laughs> I've only been doing this seven years, but I feel like I've jam packed a lifetime of things in those seven years. But I was in KC and I, I was going to air out dogs or whatever. And so I I was headed to um, just looking for a really good place to air out some dogs. And all of a sudden I saw these ducks coming in and I just pulled into that uh, Bass Pro parking lot and I just watched them. I'm like, I've never seen anything like this. I was like, I've got to be the biggest dork in America right now to pull over as a Georgia girl. I was mesmerized, you know, it's like I just sat on the tailgate and just watched them. Just they just kept coming. It was the coolest thing. Isn't that the adage, right? When that doesn't like like light your fire or, or pump your pulse up, kind of thing, like then it's maybe time to find something else. I mean, who doesn't love a good old swarm of ducks watching that tornado come down? You know, the migration. I mean, it's and, and I've been lucky. You know, I've got to. I've been in North Dakota several times. You know, duck hunting and goose hunting, and it it's unreal. You know, it's just to be laying in a blind or sitting in the water on the water and and seeing those that happen like it's unreal. It is unreal just to watch the sun come up because as a bird hunter like us, well, we take our time getting up. <laughs> we have breakfast, you know, and and so um, it has brought a whole nother thing. And you just you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. You don't know you're missing out. You don't, you know, you, 
somebody's got to tell you. So I really appreciate you coming on and helping me share so much of the behind the scenes stuff is, is kind of what I feel like we is our secret, right? Like it's all the behind the scenes stuff, um, not just camp stories and not just traveling with your buddies, but it's the whole behind the scenes that gives us the opportunity and the land management and all the things that matter the most about what we're doing. Yeah. I guess, you know, if we're getting ready to wrap up, the one thing I would say is like, it's a, it's a pretty small amount of, of, bird hunters that belong to a bird organization like rough grouse, you know, and, you know, 35 bucks, 60 bucks, $200, you know, and up, but like become a member, get connected. It's awesome information. Your help driving, you know, a mission forward for, you know, for our organizations, like the rough grouse society, every voice is an echo. You know, so especially when you want things to change, you know, the ability to get a pen stroke in D.C. that can change the trajectory of forest management or create, you know, opportunity for us to get outside. Every voice matters. So if if you're buying shotgun shells and shotguns and boots and dogs, you know, spend a little more and join an organization like the rough grouse and American woodcock society. They're all good. There's no bad choice, but we need your voice. Well, we've talked about that, about how every organization has their niche and the thing that they bring to the table. So like I'm life member with quail forever. I'm life member with SCI because SCI protects our rights and, you know, we couldn't do anything without our rights. And so that's been super big to me, um, because that was kind of where my heart started was with, you know, policy. Um, but then as you learn about these other habitat organizations and how they all have their niche, like it's so easy to get lost in their mission. Yeah. And it just enriches your whole hunting experience when hunting season rolls around and you're out there and you're like, man, I'm a part of the big picture. That's exact. That is so well said. I am a part of the big picture. I am changing the course. Yeah. You know, I'm making tomorrow better than today. And that's really well said. That is really well said. I'm part of the big picture. Awesome. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And I am so glad that you got to come on. It's been way too long. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm missing our crowd and COVID affected us more than we realized in the moment. And now it's kind of starting to come back like, man, it really interrupted the good thing that we all had going on. I, I agree, man. And it like, I haven't looked, I, you know, I, I can't put my finger on it, but I'm more excited for this fall mm-hmm. have been in the last couple of years. You know, I mean, I, don't, I, I can't, like I said, I can't put my finger on it, but I am counting down the days till, you know, in those big prairies chasing sharp tails and then into the woods. And then, you know, where I live here in Minnesota, that late season pheasant hunting is, is like, that'll test your metal, you know, cattails. Well, I know. And I can tell you why you're excited is because we know we don't have to live in fear anymore. We know that we've lost precious two years with our dogs. We know what that means. Yeah. You know, we know that our friendships matter the most and how we thrive on our, our annual trips. We we thrive on that. And, And those things were robbed from us. And that's why 
That's why we're so excited to get back out there and get back to the things that we love that fueled us. Like those things fuel you to do your best work, right? And and your job is so important to all of us hunters, all of us listeners. So we are just so grateful that you're out there still in the trenches and um, fighting for us and figuring out, you know, new inventive ways to keep this alive. It's, it's just so important. And I just could go on and on and on about that because without these relationships, I never would have had the experiences and I never would be walking this journey. And at the end of the day, it was all because strangers took me under their wing (laughs) and, and, you know, like it could be for anybody, anybody can do this. And that's exactly how I got started in the hunting. Yeah. Literally like my mom's, you know, um, coworker, her husband picked me up after school one day and, and took me pheasant home, you know, because I really wanted to go pheasant. And we had, a, you know, he passed a, a number of years ago, but like unbelievable friendship, you know, the transcended age didn't matter. You know I mean? We had this, we found this commonality in the outdoors, you know, mm-hmm. and it, you're right. Like the last couple of years, you know, that, that has been, you know, what was taking, we absolutely just were a hundred percent certain of, we're like, should I do this? Should I not do this? You know, mm-hmm. like it cast this fear, uncertainty and doubt on some of mm-hmm. those things. And, and you're like, and I think you're right. Like I'm we're back. You know, I'm like, we're back, you know, like, yep, let's go. Yep. Okay. Well, we're going to have to cross paths and find, find a way to get me back to those grouse woods. I don't know. I got so pumped about it and I've not joined rough grouse society, but I want to learn more. Um, I want to see, you know, how we could get involved and, and things that I could do, even though I'm not local, in you know relevant to a local chapter but definitely an annual membership is on my horizon i'll get you the information and your brand is what can you know like i said it, it's an echo of the message right yeah great ambassador you have you know a passion you understand the roots and the genetics of it so yeah let's your um your allegiance with us is is solid gold for sure. Oh, well, I appreciate that, Chad. It was so great to catch up. Thank you for sharing your heart. And I know we've had these conversations off record, but I really felt the world could benefit from hearing your side. I'm glad to come on and you call me anytime, you know. So how can people find you? Yeah. So um, they can go to our, our webpage, uh, Rough Grouse Society, American Woodcock Society. Both those will get you there. My contacts there. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter at Conservationist. I'm on Facebook. You know, find me how you can. And uh, I'm glad to talk to you. My phone number is uh, 412-852-8728. If you want to call and talk grouse, give me a call, please. Okay, just so you guys know, he's sitting in his house. There's a raccoon behind him. Is that a red fox, a, a coyote, and a grouse fan? Yeah. I love it. I've got a, I've got a stuffed coon from the grouse woods that hangs in my bedroom. She, she lays on a limb. I just, I love, I loved raccoon hunting too. But that was a full moon. We called, we sat on the ice 
this old collapsed barn was, uh, you know, 15 yards off this slough, abandoned farmstead. We sat on the ice and did the coon call. And that that thing came out just matter and, you know, matter and I'll get out. <laughs> it didn't have a tail. <laughs> it was a fighter. So that thing had gotten a tussle and something else bit its tail off. But the guy that tanned it for me found one to, to put on it. That is hilarious. Well, I'll get you a picture of my coon from this hanging in Georgia. It's pretty cool. But that's another special thing that happens in the grouse woods is just never ending stories. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Chad. Yeah, but. Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, God. Chasing Bigfoot. We didn't even talk about the black bear stories up there, but that'll be for next time. I look forward to it already. Thanks for coming on today. Hey, thank you for having me. So good to see your face and have this conversation. You take care. Yeah, and I'll follow up about the Rough Grouse Society ASAP. Thanks so much. All right, right. bye-bye. I can't change my ways. I know who I am. I guess it's something you don't understand. Grandma's in the kitchen. Papa's door passed on. We'd sit out on the front porch just picking Is it some you don't?